I've told you before, it's impossible. But I am recovering, aren't I? That is not the point. Well, suppose I take it easy, just do a normal day's work. I still wouldn't let you go. Look, Doctor. For several years now, my chief interest has been the study of possible life on other planets. Now something has occurred which would normally be considered a natural phenomenon, a fall of meteors. But this time with a difference, a difference which indicates that they may have been guided here by creatures, intelligent creatures. That's why it's imperative I investigate. Someone else will have to investigate, and that's final. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We want a man in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, Jedi's trick flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, David. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reach Cult, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 730 for Sunday, June 2nd, 2019. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is They Came From Beyond Space. It stars Robert Hutton, Jennifer Jane, and Zia Moyedin. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to They Came From Beyond Space. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then I'll get into today's movie. They came from beyond space to enslave the Earth. Yesterday they were scientists, investigating strange meteorites that landed from space. Suddenly, their dehumanized, blood-chilling hate robots, killer creatures, determined to destroy Earth. Connections completed and quite satisfactory. We can now proceed with the next part of our plan. They came from beyond space, and they brought with them such horrors as the world has never seen. Please, I've got to talk to you.
one man whose brain they need the most has the power to resist them. Only he dares crash their secret headquarters where they deep freeze humans to use as slave labor on their planet. I warn you not to come here. Now you'll have to take the consequences. They Came From Beyond Space is a 1967 British science fiction movie directed by Freddie Francis and produced by Max Rosenberg and Milton Sabotsky. The screenplay was written by Milton Sabotsky and was based on a 1941 novel, The Gods Hate Kansas, by Joseph Millard. They Came From Beyond Space was released May 1st, 1967 and has a running time of 85 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Robert Hutton as Dr. Curtis Temple. Jennifer Jane as Lee Mason. Zia Moyedin as Farge. Bernard Kay as Richard Arden. Michael Goff as the Master of the Moon and Arnold Gray. Joffrey Wallace as Alan Mullane. Maurice Good as Agent Stilwell. Luancha Greer as the female gas attendant. That's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into today's movie. Today's movie starts off in a field in rural Cornwall, England. Here a farming couple witnesses a strange sight, a group of nine glowing meteors falling towards them in a distinct V formation. The next morning, Richard Arden of the Ministry of Space Research goes to see Dr. Curtis Temple. Dr. Temple is an astronomer and he is searching the skies for the presence of intelligent life. Dr. Temple? Yes. I'm Richard Arden, Ministry of Space Research. How do you do? These are my assistants, Lee Mason, Alan Mullane, the other part of the team. How do you do? I've come to get your opinion on last night's poll and any data you may have on it. Oh, what poll? Nine meteors in Cornwall. We weren't ranged in that area at all last night. What happened down there? Oh, we don't really know. The reports we received were rather strange. So strange, we've decided to have a team of scientists fly down there and take a look. We'd like you to head it. Why me? You're the expert on the subject. Meteors. What does a fall of meteorites have to do with me? I am only interested in the possibility of life on other planets. You have written three books, and you also head our research section on the subject of extraterrestrial life. Yeah. That is precisely why we need you, Dr. Temple. How soon can you be ready to go? Dr. Temple goes to see his doctor to get permission to go down to Cornwall to see the meteors. His doctor tells him absolutely not and reminds him that he was in really bad car accident recently. And as a result of his injury, he has a steel plate in his head. Miss Mason, Mullane, this is Dr. Rogers Physics, Maitland Petrography. They'll be traveling down with us. We shall meet Keller, McCabe and Peterson at the farm. They'll be covering chemistry, biology and geology. And the police have the site under guard at the moment, but Temple... Let me introduce you to some of your team. This is Maitland and I'm Mrs. afraid Dr. you'll have to count me out. What do you mean? You'll have to take my assistance. But why? Doctor's orders. I shall speak to the minister. I shall have your doctor overruled. It won't do you any good. Miss Mason's been with me for several years now. 
I'm sure she can help you as much as I could. Right. How soon can you be ready to go? An hour. I'll have a car at your flat. Temple, I'm sorry you can't be with us. We'll let you have copies of all reports and photographs. You won't miss a single clue. Clue to what? What makes you think these meteors are so important that you need a team like this to have investigate? Have you ever known meteors to land in formation? No. These did. In a perfect V. That's why we're so anxious to find out what these objects from space really are. Mullane goes over the numbers that Lee has given him from the meteor landing site and has determined the origin of the, the meteors. Curtis? Yeah? Just a moment. Take a look at this. Are you sure? I checked it a dozen times. This is impossible. Well, they gave us the velocity of the meteorites and the angle of descent and the point of entry. Now, I'd backtrack to see if we can establish what part of space it came from. And that's the answer. The moon. Lee and the scientists at the meteor landing site try to chip a piece of the meteor off and are taken over by an alien force. moment of struggle before the connection is made, but it passes almost immediately. Control of the musculature and vocal cords, awkward, but adequate. You may all choose your subject and connect. these primitives seem quite suitable for our purposes. We have made a most excellent choice. Connections completed and quite satisfactory. We can now proceed with the next part of our plan. Agent Stillwell of Internal Security has been following Dr. Temple and wants to exchange some information about what's going on at the Meteor Landing Site. Now, I suggest we find a less conspicuous place to park and see if we can trade some information about what's going on back there. Nice little jalopy you have here. So, I was assigned to watch the team of scientists that came down here. They seemed all right, until they tried to crack open that meteorite. After that, they started acting strangely, requisitioned all kinds of material and got all the local labor they could began to bring down other scientists from all over the country. There's been construction work going on 24 hours a day ever since. So far, I've not seen any sign of it. What do you suppose they're up to? I think I know. But I'll have to speak to my superior before I can bring you into it. Agent Stillwell is stricken by a strange plague, and it 
quickly spreads throughout the village. I'm speaking to you from the center of the town that was struck by plague. The streets are deserted, the inhabitants behind their doors. The country's leading medical authorities and a team of courageous nurses have been rushed here. As yet, there's no clue to the mystery malady. The bodies of the victims have shown no unfamiliar virus or bacteria, no trace of any organic malfunction to explain the seizures. Only the strange spots of blood which appear on the bodies of those who will soon be dead and which have given the visitation its name, the Crimson Plague. Teams of researchers digging into the vast treasury of medical experience have found no record of any case even remotely similar anywhere in the world. Earlier, we interviewed Dr. Frederick Andrews, a member of the research team. We have one more fact. Unless we can find some place where the victims of the plague can be isolated, beyond all possibility of even remote contact with the living, the contagion may easily spread over the entire country and perhaps the entire world. Dr. Temple tries to get into the heavily guarded farm to see what's going on there, but is turned away by Lee. Well, he comes back later and breaks into the compound, kidnaps Lee, and then takes her to his friend Farge's house. You saw one of the victims of the plague alive. Mm -hmm. Still, though. As plain as I'm seeing you. All the world sending victims of the plague to the meteor site. You say the scientists keep them there in cold storage and then send them to the moon. Why? That creature out there in Lee's head knows the answer. Maybe these victims of the plague aren't really dead. A woman in the town near the meteor site claimed she saw her husband working there. He'd been a victim of the plague. She was sent to an insane asylum. Yes, but I'm not mad. You know, Farge, if we could only duplicate the equipment I saw in that laboratory, we could demonstrate the existence of these creatures and alert the world to what they're doing. Do you think the answer has something to do with electronic optics? Yeah, that's why I came to see you. But what's to prevent us from being taken over as she is? Well, in your case, nothing. That's why you mustn't get near Lee. Until we've tried something. Tried what? I think I've figured out why they can't get at me. We'll use the same protection on you. Do you have any silver in the house? Well, only knives and forks. What about these? Oh, no. No. Where do we melt them down? Not my trophies. After several experiments, Dr. Temple and Farge managed to free Lee from the alien presence. It's all right now. Everything is fine. Cosmic rays. Concentrated. That's what makes these work. But they'll only stun human beings. The length of time, depending on the degree of concentration we adjust them to. But they can destroy those creatures. We tested them carefully before trying it on you. We tested them on whom? First on animals. It didn't do them any harm. And then? We can detect them with these, if you're interested, and destroy them with these. Yes, but what are they? We thought you would be able to tell us. I can't remember a thing. I, I know I did work for them, but at what? Why? Well, what about the plague? Do you know what it is? 
Uh, what do they do with the bodies? Lee, about these rockets. How can they possibly get to the moon and back in 24 hours? And why the moon? I don't know. Well, we've got to find out. That's why we're going back there. Only this time armed and protected. We'll set these guns at three. That should knock out anyone who hits for at least a few hours. What do you intend to do when we get there? First, find our scientists and free them from these things that have taken over their minds. And then? I don't know. We'll just have to play it by ear. You said you'd crashed the barrier. They must have mended it by now. How will we get in? I think that's where you come in. Lee pretends to be under the alien influence, and her, Dr. Temple, and Farch get into the compound and stow away on the alien spaceship. Dr. Temple, come on. Welcome aboard. Miss Mason, nice to have you back. And a new recruit. What a pleasant surprise. It was regrettable you ever left us. You didn't expect me to wait to be killed. We had no intention of killing you. We'd come to a different decision entirely. Now we can implement it. This ship runs automatically. We'll land on the moon in exactly three hours. Nothing you can do can change that. And when we land, you will be taken to the master. What master? The master of the moon. Our great leader whose intelligence planned and directed this whole project. He himself will be able to watch the removal of that annoying plate and the occupation of your brain. There's knowledge there that we need. It's been too long withheld. Please relax. Enjoy your remarkable privilege. A free trip to the moon. Upon landing on the moon, they are taken to the alien leader, the master of the moon. These are three scientists from Earth who found their way onto our rocket. The girl was formerly one of us. One of the others is the man whose mind we could not control. We will control it. We have need of it. I'll destroy myself first. Silence. Slaves do not speak without permission in the presence of the master of the moon. Believe me, I am not your slave. If you should conquer and rule the earth, there will always be some who will fight against you. Conquer and rule Earth? Why should we want to do that? What possible satisfaction or glory could we find in ruling a race whose most intelligent life force is little more than primitive savages compared with our vast knowledge? We come from a world called Zan. A planet in a system of a faint star you call Labyrinth. We Zans are the ultimate evolutionary forms of the highest life order in the cosmos. Once, a million generations ago, we too had physical bodies. But as ages passed, we became bodiless intelligences, pure mental energy. Too late, we realized our doom. Mental energy alone could not survive. In a few generations, we, the highest life form in the cosmos, would cease to exist. 
the lower creatures on our planet built a spaceship, and we went forth to search for the salvation of our race. The ship crashed on this moon of your Earth. Some of us came to Earth in meteorites. We commandeered the brains of your most intelligent scientists who constructed the ship which brought you here. What was the purpose of the plague? We needed workers, many of them. We could make people appear to die, bring them here, and revive them to work for us. Your own government sent the bodies of plague victims to the site for your scientists to dispose of on the moon. When the work is ended, they will be returned unharmed. What work are you talking about? To rebuild our ship and create a launching site for it. We have traveled too many light years in search of an answer to our survival. We have not found it. We have grown old and weak. We wish to die on our own planet. We do not wish to harm anyone. The aliens trick Dr. Temple into lowering his weapon and they capture him and Lee. Farge escapes frees the other humans and starts a revolt against the aliens. Just as the aliens are about to remove the silver plate from Dr. Temple's head, Farge barges in and threatens to kill the alien leader. Release him or I'll destroy your leader. There are too many of us, both here and on Earth. You will never destroy us all. We have viewers which can detect you, and guns which can destroy you and relieve the bodies of the victims. Then we have lost. We will die on a strange planet in a strange galaxy. It was not necessary for you to try to conquer and dominate. We would have helped you. All of us. You need only to have asked. We need only have asked? Yes. But it's still not too late. Release the body you now hold as a sign of peace. I promise you the people of Earth will help. Not through force, but willingly. Dr. Curtis Temple. I'm Arnold Gray. And that's the end of today's movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. Today's movie was released on a double bill with the Terranauts. Horrible movie. Don't waste your time watching it. Uh, Director Freddie Francis claimed that the company had spent all their budget on that movie, leaving nothing for They Came From Beyond Space. I can believe it. The movie looks terrible. 
Um, to save costs, the production used many sets and props from other Amicus movies like Dalek Invasion 2150 AD, which was filmed earlier that year. I seen that movie. That was my first doctor experience with Doctor Who, Peter Hush, Cushing. Uh, and then I graduated to Tom Baker, but that's another story. Uh, in the laboratory scene where they cast the silver cage stands a big plastic gun. That prop was used as the main device in a movie called The Projected Man. And I found this bit of trivia kind of funny. It was rumored that this movie that came from beyond space was Anwar Sadat's favorite movie. And if those of you who are too young to remember Anwar Sadat, you've got some homework. Look him up. See who he is. And that's it for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every movie or TV show I watch. I'm afraid to say I couldn't find a Star Trek connection in today's movie. So let's move right along into my comments about today's movie. I watched the 1999 DVD release from Mill Creek Entertainment. It was on one of their uh, sci-fi classics DVDs. You know the kind you see in Walmart. 50 movies for 10 bucks. So you already know the quality of the movies. If you're getting 50 of them for 10 bucks, they're not that good. Anyway, the sound and quality were fair at best. I mean, I've watched this movie. I have two different DVDs. I have the, the DVD collection from Mill Creek. And then I also had an opportunity to, to watch this movie, part of uh, Elvira's movie Macabre. Watch the Elvira movie macabre versus the other ones, because at least you get to see Elvira. Um, you know, this movie, it's not a new, it's nothing new. This is basically, it came from outer space, 1953 movie with Richard Carlson and Barbara Rush. It's basically some aliens, their spaceship breaks down. Uh, they kidnap humans to fix their ship and then they leave. Same story. You know, they just, except for these aliens aren't as benevolent as the ones that it, it came from outer space. The ones that, that were in, it came from outer space. They just wanted to get out of here. Their car was broken. They needed a jack to jack their car up to get a tire on and get up out of Dodge. These guys, they considered themselves above us and we were puny humans and they were enslaving us. Those are not nice guys. Um, The actors in this movie, eh, they did an okay job. I mean... Robert Hutton was the American in, in this movie, and he was a typical American actor in 1960s British horror sci-fi movies. You know, they just needed an American to appeal to American audiences when they sell it over here. So he basically got paid to show up. And, he, he, you know, he has a pretty long history. But I remember first seeing him in a movie called Destination Tokyo, a World War II submarine movie uh, with Cary Grant. And I can't remember the guy's name, but um, he was the kid who had appendicitis who they had to operate on on the submarine. So that's like 1944. OK. And then there's Jennifer Jane. And she was OK. I, she was in a movie called The Trollenberg Terror and Hysteria. So I remember her for those movies. And then Zia Moyedin. Nothing really special about him, but his name. So I looked him up on IMDb. And he was in Lawrence of Arabia. I'm like, who was he in Lawrence of Arabia? And then I read a little bit further and it said he was the guy that Omar Sharif shot because he drank out of the wrong well. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. OK, makes sense now. Um, as I said earlier in the trivia section, they had no money for this movie. So it was shot 
on the cheap and you can tell. I mean, it, it's just a cheap made movie. Um, they use props from other amicus movies and it, eh, it was one of those movies. Um, I remember seeing this movie on nightmare theater. Those that live in the Seattle area might remember the count in nightmare theater on Friday nights. So I saw it when I was a kid and it, I didn't think much of it then. It, and, and the movie still looks the same. It looks like it went through a washing machine and then they put it on the, uh, the screen. Um, the only thing that really sticks out in this movie for me is the ending. So you got these aliens, they've kidnapped people, enslaved them, and then, oh, we're going to shake hands at the end and it's all good? Not. That's crazy. That I just was like, that's not the way this should have ended. It should have ended different than that. But okay, it is what it is. Okay. Um, if you're a true sci-fi fan like myself, you have to watch this movie so you can say, at least I watched it. It's 85 minutes that you ain't never getting back, but at least watch it once. Um, I wouldn't run out and buy this on a DVD. You can watch it on YouTube or the Internet Archive for free. On a scale from one to ten, I'll give this movie a solid four. And those are my comments about they came from beyond space. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll end today's podcast with the main title theme from They Came From Beyond Space. Rico will be back next week on the podcast to discuss the upcoming summer movies. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5 signing off.